Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And when you leave on your way out in the foyer, all of our guests, there is a welcome center. It says welcome center right above it. And there's a gift for you there. And we would love to talk with you. So please do to us. It'd be our honor if you'd stop by there and just talk with the people there. There's there's some there's a great team out there this morning. There's a great team out there every morning. And so please stop by the welcome center, all of our guests. Um, and church, I want to remind us that our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're headed towards Jesus always. And so this Thursday and Friday, this past week, we had our Ernie Haas concert in Signature Sound. Ernie Haas, Signature Sound, and then the desserts in the gym. Can't forget those. And uh, two nights, they were phenomenal music. Uh, It was an incredible night. It was just really, really, really sweet to hear all the stories that are starting to come out of these two days. So we've been praying. We asked you to pray. We asked you to invite somebody. There were two nights of completely packed out house so let's thank god for this last thursday and friday and let's continue to just, let's just thank god and then let's pray continuously for the seeds that were planted so can we thank god for what happened on thursday and friday ernie haas signature sound um that was that was really great so just continue to pray for those people that came and i hope that you were that you were encouraged and blessed those guys can sing can't they it was awesome that's sax player he was my favorite can't can't go wrong i know right so good and then he scared living daylights out of people when he started playing in the middle of the aisle. It was awesome. Anyway, so Thursday and Friday this last week was great. Continue to pray for those people. And we're going to hear stories come out of those uh, two nights. Christmas Eve next weekend. So Sunday we're having a Christmas Eve gathering. There will not be a Saturday night gathering uh, next weekend. Uh, we're going to have three gatherings on Sunday, 11 a.m. So there's no 930 gathering. Um, there's going to be 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., so come on out. Invite someone to come with you. Uh, Use that little handout in the bulletin. Invite someone to be with you on Christmas Eve, and we look forward to seeing everybody for our candlelight service, Uh, each identical, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Each is identical, and so we look forward to seeing you all on Christmas Eve. And then in your bulletin and on our website, there's information about those two studies 
that are coming up in the new year. So as you're looking at setting new goals for the new year, um, the first one is you can't you can, you can never go wrong investing in your marriage. Uh, so that's going to be Wednesday night, uh, that first Wednesday of January at 6:30. Um, so if you have kids, it's a great opportunity too because there's all kinds of fun things for the kids to do. Uh, there's middle school and high school youth group on Wednesday night. So. Um, invest in your marriage. Uh, jump into that Cherish Marriage Study. Dave and Sherry McNall are leading that. You can see information on our website on how to get um, how to get registered for that. And then um, Audie Eddie is teaching our Financial Peace University. That's going to be January 7th during the 9:30 gathering. And so you can see all the information on each of those studies. Uh, listen, the the Dave Ramsey material that we use uh, for Financial Peace University. Uh, how do we? take what God has given us and how do we steward that well? How do we take care of the finances that God has given us? And so it's very practical uh, steps to do that. So that's going to be during the 930 gathering on January 7th. So get, get, get plugged into those studies going into the new year. If you have any questions, you can reach out th- um, through the Welcome Center or use that Connect card in front of you and just write, I have questions or I'd like to get involved in that study and then we'll follow up with you this week. Uh, our birthday gift to Jesus. I want to encourage you, continue to pray about your part, and also to look through that list and see each name, and those are all of our partners for the birthday gift of Jesus. Our goal is $100,000. That's what we're asking the Lord to provide so we can partner with all these incredible people who are on mission with us. And so God is provided so far. Look at this. Um, so our goal is 100000 and look where we are. That's incredible. That is incredible. So praise God, 61394 Can we thank God for what has come in? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So continue to pray about your part, how you can give the most to Jesus this Christmas season to anyone else on your Christmas list. And we're just going to watch God just continue to just, just grow us as we give. Um, I also say thank you, church, for giving online through the mail, using the offering boxes here in the church for giving above and beyond, um, just being faithful to the Lord, worshiping him through your finances. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, you're awesome. We love you so much. And we thank you that, um, thank God, that you met us um, at one point in our lives, Lord. We've got to decide where, where who we serve. We've got to decide who, who, who we're going to place our trust in. And Lord, um, because of your son, Jesus Christ, dying on a cross in three days, rising again we can place our trust in him and and not just feel better about ourselves but be saved for we know the wages of sin is death the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ there's there's no therefore there's no condemnation anyone who's in jesus god there's so much power in knowing you and lord we pray this morning as we open up the bible as we worship as we fellowship as we spend time with one another encouraging each other god this is your family and what makes us a family is not the fact that we all happen to live in the same area what makes us a family is that we share the unity in christ and so god be with us this morning as we worship you as we learn about you and and holy spirit would you move in a place like never before that we would see your word differently that we would see you god differently and that we would walk out of here ignited refueled, ready to take on, or not just the craziness, but to take a message of hope to a world that so desperately needs it. Lord, you're amazing. We love you so much. And we thank you for Ernie Haas. We thank you for all the things that you've allowed us to be a part of here at this church in our community. And, 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 and Lord, with the birthday gift of Jesus, being able to be a part of what you're doing all around the world. Thank you. We love you. In your name.
want to invite you to join us for 21 days of prayer this January, the 7th through the 27th. We're going to start on January the 7th, that's a Sunday, and I'm giving you a book. If you will commit to pray, I'm going to give you a book, all right? So what you do is you open up your, your bulletin. You'll see there's an insert inside your bulletin. I'm going to direct your attention to there. If you will put your name and email on there, and on your way out the door, we have a table with these books, and I'm going to ask them to replenish those books out there because they are going out of here like hotcakes, all right? Uh, all you do is put your commitment into the, into the box out there, and as you put your commitment into there, you take your book and you take that with you, and you will, we're going to read this together as a church as we go through the 21 days of prayer. Each one of the chapters is about two to three pages. It's my kind of chapters, okay? That's how I can read, right? Nice and short, and it will be meaningful, and it will be very practical to help you in your prayer life. So we're going to look to grow our prayer life this January, grow our personal prayer life, grow prayer in our church. This is one of the things that we need to uh, address this year. It's like, how do we have more prayer in our services? How do we have more prayer uh, times, more prayer services? So I'm going to be looking at, and we're going to focus on that a lot this next year, but I want you to please take this, and let me just give you a, a little a little backstory to this here. Last year, we were doing our 21 days of prayer, and uh, we had just seen God. I, I, I'm just telling you, God did many great things in many people's lives during that time. And I, I can just tell you some miracles on top of miracles as we together come together and focus in on prayer and just ask the Lord, God, lead us, guide us. We're here. These are our hands. These are our, uh, these hands are your hands, God. Our mouth is your mouth, Lord. Use us for your honor and glory. And so as we did that, God began to move, and I saw different people responding to the Lord. People came to Christ. I saw uh, people that uh, just did some things of obedience. It was pretty powerful. So I was sitting at, uh, uh, with Dave Early, uh, who is the, the author of this book. Dave Early came in for our refuel conference, which we'll be hosting again here at the end of January. But uh, Dave Early had written the book called The 21 Most Effective Prayers in the Bible. And so I said, Dave, you know, I, we just did our 21 days of prayer, and I, um, I'm looking to get your book, The 21 Most Effective Prayers, for next year. I'd like to hand it out. So in January, I was planning for the next January. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, can you get me 500 copies? He goes, well, that book's out of print. I'm like, but you're the author. You can get me some books. You've got to find, find out some books. So he had 20 of those books in his car, and that was about it. And I gave them to a number of pastors in the area, and we started to pray. He called me back about two weeks later, and he said, hey, listen, would you mind if I did the 21 days of prayer with your church? Our church over in Grove City, Ohio, would you mind if we did the 21 days of prayer with you? I was like, well, you don't have to ask me to have 21 days of prayer, right? So we started together. He called me back two more weeks later. He says, hey, what do you think about going global with this? Let's get people all over the world to do this. So there are over, there's, I think it's like 600 churches now that have signed up to do this. And it's going to be globally. People all around the world are going to be seeking the Lord together. We're going to use this book as our guide. And uh, look what God did from our little church here. Here we are. We're seeking the Lord. And in a moment of prayer, we saw God do something bigger than we are. Amen. So I'm excited about that. I want you to take your book, get this thing ready. Next week is going to be Christmas Eve. It's going to be busy, so it's going to be hard to track these down next week. But uh, please uh, go out and get, get one of these books, take it on your way, and uh, we will help you to make sure that uh, everything is good and ready to go for that as we begin that in the new year. 
Also, I want to remind you our birthday gift to Jesus. I know Luke gave you an update there. Just remind you, all those people on there are global partners around the world. We're just so thankful for all that God is doing and our opportunity to, uh, to have an impact that goes around the world. So one of those impacts that we've had a big impact in is in the country of Ecuador. So I've got a little clip here this morning from uh, Daniel and Anita Gonzalez. So I'm going to ask them to please rule that. Brothers and sisters of Library Baptist, in this special time we want to send our greetings, especially because we remember to Jesus coming to save us and after this salvation we are part of the family of God. You are our family. You are a very important part in our life. And we want to say thank you. And we extend our arms to there to peaceful because this is possible because we are one family. Thank you so much. I'm happy. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas for everybody there. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye. Feliz Navidad, Danny, right? Yeah, let's thank God for those guys. We really do. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we had this summer. We were able to go down and we were ministering in Otavalo. He took us to Otavalo and we were ministering with a, a church called the Evangelical Center there. And uh, as we were ministering at the Evangelical Center, this was a place where they handed out meals from Compassion International. And it was a real blessing for all of us to be there. And so we came back in our vacation Bible school. Christy McNeese and Kim, they raised through the Vacation Bible School. They, they showed, uh, pictures of our, uh, showed pictures of the kids from Ecuador, and the kids from our church began to raise funds to send to Ecuador. So we sent, uh, I think it was $2,500 or something like that, and uh, we got a letter back from them. Look at the, look at the letter from them. Best wishes from the, center of, uh, uh, from the Center of Child Development at the Evangelical Center in Otavalo. Uh, our church wants to extend our gratitude to you and every one of your participants for always keeping our ministry in mind. Our sincerest gratitude for your love and passion for always arranging help for our children, our adolescents, and our young people. We appreciate you always keeping us in your hearts. And, uh, and it is our hope that our, God, that our great God blesses your lives, families, and your ministry in a very special way. May the Lord continue using you in his work know that in our center and in our church you guys will always have a home for future ministry and so we are planning to go back there this summer we're looking to to set that on the calendar here soon and get ready to go back but i just want to show you those pictures there they're sending you notice they're holding a pair of shoes or some small items what they did was they went out and they took this and they bought things for the kids and they gave them all the needs that they have and so these kids are coming in and they're they're getting a meal a day there and then they come along and, and when we're able to give some sort of bonus like that that was above and beyond their normal ministry they're so thankful and so appreciative so i want to thank god for that god is good amen and so our church is having a big impact. We're up here on the little town of Finleyville. We're up on our little hill with a big impact. And it's like a lighthouse. And so the lighthouse sends the light really far. But I'll tell you what, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And I just want to thank you folks for being out there this week and uh, at our Ernie Haas event here, the uh, Christmas outreach. Uh, show a picture there of the Christmas outreach. I couldn't believe this was our church. That, that doesn't even look like our church, does it, you know? And uh, here we are. we got all the lights and all the camera in action. But uh, God was moving in our midst. 
And I, I just want you to know that God is moving. And what we do counts for eternity. I got word yesterday that one person that I got to meet that night was here Friday and went to be with the Lord already. And so God, has, God is moving in our midst. And so, folks, every time we open the doors, a gospel opportunity is here. And so I want you to be praying for, uh, for Christmas Eve. Like, let's take this thing seriously and go and invite. And, uh, and just, uh, you know, get, get, in your, get in people's face. Uh, because there's a lot of things that are happening out there in our world. And just say, hey, man, I want you to come. I want you to be my guest. You can sit with me. You can meet me at the church, and we will be there. Why? Because what our, our message matters. It's, the, it's a matter of eternal life or eternal death. And so I want to encourage you, please, go out into the highways and byways and bring them in. God's given us this incredible opportunity as we go. So thanks be to God. Let's just thank God for what he's done in our church and through our church. Amen? God is good. And so this morning, if I find my notes, we'll get into a sermon here, right? So see my notes over there, Luke? Wally Noel must have taken my notes, huh? Well, so let me give you this. This is interesting. Ah, they're in the back. You guys are lucky. You thought you were going to go home at 1130 today, didn't you? The beach house was ready for you. My goodness. All right. 21 days of prayer. I'm so thankful for all that God's going to do in that. And as we jump into our message this morning, I just want to give you this here. Uh, the, the, you know, people have been asking me about different movies. It's amazing. When you start playing Christmas movies in church, I started getting requests. They're like, would you, would you preach on this movie? I was like, wait a minute. I can't just preach on any movie, right? So they're giving me different movies to preach on. And so, but this morning's movie, I know that, um, I have read the book for this movie. Okay, this movie is, I, I haven't read the book on many movies, but I've read the book on this movie, and I'm going to show you the very original movie, okay? Let's roll. And the who's young and old will sit down to a feast. And they'll feast, and they'll feast. And they'll feast, 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 feast. They'll feast on who pudding and rare who roast beast. Raw roast beast is a feast I can't stand in the least. Something I hate most of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, will stand close together. With Christmas bells ringing, they'll stand hand in hand, and those who's will start singing. Yeah. 
they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this, who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? And so the Grinch is still Christmas. You wanted to keep moving. I could see that. You're right on the edge of your chair, and it's such a classic. I, I love the Grinch is still Christmas. You know, it's the story of the guy who hated Christmas and all that Whoville loved. Everything that Whoville loved and Christmas, he hated it all. And the more the Grinch thought of what Christmas would bring, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for year after year, I've put up with it now. I must stop the Christmas from coming. But how? As we look into this, I want to remind you that there was a Grinch that tried to stop Christmas. And that Grinch is in the Bible. We're going to look at this this morning. I want you to be thinking, like, who, who might the Grinch be? If you were to identify the Grinch in a Christmas story, who might it be? I think there's a number of them that you could identify. Because there's been a, a lot of people that did want to see Christmas happen. Uh, let's look here at Matthew chapter 2, beginning verse 1. And we're going to show you one of the Grinches this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled at all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod, King Herod goes around. He, he says, hey, listen, I'm the king of the Jews. Uh, Herod was given by Rome. Rome had given him the responsibility to be the king over this particular area and happened to be over Judea. And so he had the king of the Jews. And so his power was a threat. He hears a man, he hears these wise men coming and the wise men follow the star and they come in and they say, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They were on a journey. They were seeking I think many people today are seeking. They, many of them are following the wrong star, though. Many of them are following whatever feels good, whatever makes me happy, whatever is going to meet my needs. But listen, follow the star. Follow the light. The light is God's Word. And as we come and we see the light of God's Word, don't, don't get tripped up by all the other stars that you may see out there. Look for the star. Look for the, the light of Christ. And so this is what was happening. These wise men were following the star. And, and so Herod comes and he grabs the, the scribes. The scribes were the, the people that were responsible for the transmission of the Scriptures. So they didn't have the, 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 the photocopier and all that. They didn't have the printing press at this point. So what they did was they were, the scribes would come and they would take the verse of Scripture. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created, God created. And they would do this in Hebrew. And Hebrew is an incredibly uh, tough language, honestly, with all the uh, inflections and punctuations. But 
That's what these people were known for. So these, he gathers the scribes, the people who were in charge of being that detailed about the scriptures. And he says, hey, where is this king of the Jews? Where is he going to come from? And what they do is they go and they refer to him back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Look at what Micah 5, 2 says. This was prophesied hundreds of years earlier. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah... Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who will be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. You know, what we see here, we see that the, the, the prophecy was fulfilled that he would be in Bethlehem. Like, like, as you're going through the Bible and you see this, like, all right, here was hundreds of years earlier, the pro, it was prophesied that he would come out of Bethlehem. And I'm going to show you, I think there's about three of them that we're going to see today of prophecies that are fulfilled. But he says the prophecy that he will come out of Bethlehem. So the scribes bring this and say, yeah, yeah, look, here, it, it says in the town of Bethlehem. There was just one problem with the whole thing, Herod was the Grinch. Herod is known as Herod the Great, but I'm going to call him Herod the Grinch this morning. He was a deceitful person. Herod was a deceitful person. I mean, his heart was wicked. Look at verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him back, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. He tells the wise men, Yeah, I want to get in on this worship game. I want Yeah, and you know what? In the meantime, he is just deceitful. He's doing the old bait and switch. He's trying to get them to, uh, to give them the, the access to this guy so that he could take him down. Jeremiah 17.9 talks about the heart. Folks, as you're looking at the Grinch and as you're thinking about uh, Herod this morning, don't get too crazy about saying, oh, what a bad guy he was because every one of us have the same potential. Look what the Scripture says, that the heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Have anybody ever told you, I'm just following my heart? <laughs> Wrong thing to follow if it's deceitfully wicked. You know, you know what people are deceived by? I think people are deceived by themselves more than anything else today in today's world. It's amazing how people were, were I'm just going to follow my, this feels right. And listen, the scripture says you can't trust that. Who can know it? Like this is what God says. So we all have this issue of a deceitful heart. And so until you come to Christ, man, your, your heart is deceitful. And if you're, even as a follower of Christ, if you stop focusing in on him, you will go down a path of destruction. You will make bad decisions. You will go the wrong direction. You will go to your flesh, to your sin. And so he says here, listen, the, the Jeremiah, the prophet says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let me tell you about the deceitfulness of this king. Uh, the king Herod, king, uh, he's the king of Judah. He was given uh, uh, from Rome to carry out the primary distinctives of Rome. Rome always wanted to maintain peace in those areas. They would, they would put a ruler over there and say, just keep it quiet for us and make things happen. And so that's what they did with him. And so Herod tried to foster goodwill among the people. He would reduce taxes. We've heard that before, haven't we? He would enact policies that would help bring about economic prosperity. 
He would build public works for the people, including the incredible uh, city, uh, the port city of Caesarea. Uh, He worked on the fortress of Masada and fortifications around the city of Jerusalem. Herod had also built a magnificent palace palace for himself on the top of a man-made mountain. That place was known as the Herodium. In order to gain favor among the Jews, now check this out, Herod greatly enlarged the temple. So he took the temple and he re, uh, renovated it and enlarged it to a size and magnific- magnificence that it had never been seen before. Not, it was even bigger than what was under Solomon. And so this renovated structure became known as Herod's temple. Herod also married a lady by the name of Merimne. Uh, Merimne. And, uh, and she was, she was a, uh, Hasmonean princess. And she, and he appointed her brother as the high priest over the temple. Despite this guy's brilliant and his ambitious building projects, let me tell you what he did. Herod the Great had a dark side and it showed itself up right here around Christmas. Uh, he was always feared potential rivals. He just couldn't take the threat of anybody else who would rival his power. He had his wife's brother, uh, Aristobulus, that high priest, he had him drowned in a swimming pool in his palace. He put to death 46 of the Sanhedrin members. Sanhedrin were the the ruling elders of Israel, okay, of the Jewish people. He had 46 of them put to death. He killed his mother-in-law. He also had his wife, Merimee, murdered along with two of their sons as he considered them to be potential rivals with legitimate claims to the throne because of their Hasmanian lineage. Caesar Augustus said it this way. He said, it is better to be Herod's dog than one of his children. And so this guy was just a wicked guy. He would knock off everybody else. And let me tell you, in the words of Dr. Seuss, he was a mean one. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel. Mr. Herod. King Herod was a wicked, deceitful person. And so this is the timing. Remember we said a few weeks ago it's just the right timing. Well, listen, God knew what he was doing. And as you, as you read the scripture, it's like, wow, you can just see the hand of God all over the birth of Christ. Verse 9, when they heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Folks, that's, that's what God's desire for us is. Whenever we come and we see Jesus, it is to bow down and worship him. Like, this is the desired response. You will either be bowing down and worshiping him, or you'll be threatened by him because he's the king and you're not. You see, this is where Herod was. Herod wasn't going to go down and worship him, and we're going to see that in just a few moments. Herod was like, hey, I'm going to trick him because I want to get rid of him. And this is what many people are doing in our world today. Many people are trying to get rid of Jesus. Just go to any major corporate store in America and say Merry Christmas to the cashier. And how will they respond to you? Happy holidays. We can't even use the word Christ out there anymore. 
Oh, yeah, well, the world has changed so much. Let me tell you, people want to get rid of Jesus. Why? Because if he's God, then I'm not. If he's Lord, then I have to follow and I have to obey what he says. I have to do what he says. I, that means my life has, has to change. It means whenever I come to the scriptures and I see things in his word, I can't just say, well, you know, that's not really what it means. I have to come and say, this is what God has done. And so the desired res- the response is just like these guys, like the wise men. They, they saw Mary, his mother, with, and, uh, with ch- they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. You know, that's the next part of worship, is we give our gifts to the Lord. Look what they gave. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think many times that uh, when we come to worship the Lord, we forget that, boy, worship actually costs something. It, it costs my time. It costs my emotions. It costs my heart. It costs my, my affections. These guys, it costs their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. And today, as we give, we give unto the Lord. And, and listen, it's, it's like, wow, your value is much higher than mine. And so it, when we tithe, when we give to the Lord of our tithe, we give to him. We say, okay, God, this belongs to you. Why? Because you are so worthy and I trust everything about you more than I trust about my own self even. And so I want to encourage you folks, as you give to the Lord, I know you're giving to the birthday gift of Jesus. You give regularly in your tithes and offerings. Make that an act of worship. I know sometimes it's hard because I, I do my, my tithing electronically. It goes, I, get, I, get, I receive a salary on the 15th, on the 16th it goes. It's automatic, right? I never see the thing. But let me tell you, that is an act of worship because I'm declaring my dependence on God. And I want to encourage you, when you come to see the Christ child, when you come to see Jesus, like, wow, your life has never been the same. And so it's a daily thing that we are called to worship him, just like these guys did. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. And I want you to catch the connection between worship and guidance. When you worship the Lord, listen, God brought them in with a star. He brought, they were seeking, seeking, seeking. And then they finally bowed down and worshiped. They give. And now God says, all right, it's time for you to head back. So he gives them guidance and he says, go a different way because Herod is up to trouble. Herod is up to trouble. Herod the Grinch had a deviant plan. He really did. He had a deviant plan. He was coming to cause, he was ready to cause a lot of trouble here. He wanted to get rid of Christ. Um, he, he, uh, he had a fake care for the wise men. He wanted a world without Jesus. Um, he was known as the king of the Jews, and therefore he was threatened by this king of the Jews that would be born in Bethlehem. And by the way, Bethlehem was just a little town, probably smaller than Finleyville. You know, when you think of Pittsburgh and then you think of Finleyville, right? Oh, little town of Finleyville. It sounds just appropriate, doesn't it? You know, listen, that's exactly what it was. It's just a little town. I, somebody told me that um, Finleyville is only 70 acres. Like that's Finleyville proper, 70 acres. And so it's, uh, it's just a small little town. That's what Bethlehem was like. It was just a little place. Just a little place. And here, Herod is threatened by a baby. I want you to think of that, a king. Imagine a, a ruler in today's world that comes and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this baby. Like, this, this baby is a threat to my power. 
The wise men came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they worshipped the Lord. And yet, this man was up to his deviant plan. Look at verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Prophecy number two fulfilled this morning. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. We saw the prophecy from Micah. Now we see another prophecy. Out of Egypt I called my son. And so what he does here, and I want to remind you that they, that they had raised him for uh, probably over a year at minimum. Because uh, he's, they stayed in Bethlehem. And the baby is growing. Joseph finds some work there. And they settle in there. And all of a sudden they've got to get up and move. And here the scripture says this is a fulfillment of the promise. Now, now check this out. I think sometimes in our life, there's things that are moving around in our life and there's things that are ugly and things that are not happy. Things that are bad and things that are painful. And yet, in the midst of all that, that was a fulfillment of God's plan. Think with me about Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph said, man, we're just, we, you know, we, don't, we weren't planning to have this virgin birth baby, right? And then, okay, they're almost two years into it, and God says, get up and go to Egypt. What? we got to go to Egypt? What are you talking about? Get up and go to Egypt and go tonight. So they get up and they go to Egypt. And, and so think about young Mary here. This young 14 to 18-year-old young girl right in that teenage zone there who's just newly married. So let's say at the, at the top, she's 18 or 20 now, and she's running off with her baby and her husband, the newlyweds, they're just a couple years married, and now they're running and they're fleeing down to Egypt. And the scripture here, Matthew says, ah, that that might be fulfilled by the prophet who said, out of Egypt I have called my son. Prophecy number two. Look what Herod was up to in the meantime as they were fleeing. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in, in all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. This is why I tell you that the wise men came up to two years later. He says here, he says, oh, tell me, when did you see that star? And he puts the whole picture together. So it's up to two years. From the birth of Jesus that now they're, they're, Jesus is a toddler. And they're running off with Jesus as a toddler down to Egypt for their life by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, this man, he's, man, he is angry. And what's he do? He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to kill not just anybody. I'm going to kill all the little boys two years and under. What a grinch. Then he had fulfilled what was spoken by, the, by, by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamenting, weeping, and a great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And he's referring to a time when Rachel, the, uh, the favorite wife of Jacob, was the symbolic mother of, a, of the northern tribes. 
and where she was, she's crying because the, the people were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And Rachel is pictured crying for the exiles in Ramah, a staging point in deportation. And this verse is quoted to describe the sadness of the mothers in Bethlehem as the mothers of the male children were killed. The weeping was great in both cases. Now let me tell you, as you're looking, you could say, well, there was the innkeeper who was, who was a Grinch. No room for him in the end. He sent him out back. Um, there was, Herod was a terrible Grinch. Herod comes in and he wipes out all the little babies because he's threatened. So he kills all the two-year-olds and under. Let me tell you what the ultimate Grinch is. is the devil. Satan is the ultimate Grinch. And that Satan is still the ultimate Grinch today that is working overtime. Put up the next statement I have there. Um, there we go. He wants to stop everything of God in this world. I want you to catch that. Satan wants to stop everything of God in this world. And that, let me show you the passage that shows this to you. Revelation 12:1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. Now I'm jumping to Revelation now. Not your typical Christmas passage, right? Revelation. John sees the vision of future things. And he sees a sign. And the word for great sign there is mega. You know what mega means? It means mega, right? It's big. You ever have somebody tell you, hey, this is big? This is really big? Well, this is big. And this is what he's saying. He's saying this is massive. This is a big sign. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male, a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And John says there's a mega sign here. Now catch it. So what is a sign? A sign is a symbol that represents something else. And so we see the sign. And as you look there, you see the woman. The woman here is not representing Mary at this point. It's representing the nation of Israel. And you say, well, how do you get that? Well, if you go over to the book of Genesis 37, verse 9, you'll see when Jacob... Was, I'm sorry, when Joseph was telling his dreams, you remember Joseph with the, with the dream, Joseph in the many colors, he's telling his, his dream. He tells his parents about the dream. He says, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. The sun, the moon, that's the parents, the 11 stars, the brothers, and him being the 12th. They bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and, he, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? The twelve tribes of Judah. And so we see this here. So this is a representation of the nation of Israel. Jacob identifies the stars, the suns, and the moon as the nation of Israel. Now catch this, folks. Israel is always at the center of God's redemptive history. 
It's always at the center. So you go back and you see this war that was raging on the nation of Israel. You'll see that, hey, listen, Israel's, why? Because it's at the center of the history of, 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 of God's redemptive work. And look here, Matthew one twenty one. it even says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came as a Jew, and he came to this earth in the nation of Israel. So the Jewish nation, he came to the Jewish nation, and it was, the plan was that the Jews would reach the entire world. And so it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for everybody. And so the child in this passage, look here, the child, verse 2. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain and gave a birth, and gave to give birth. So what do we see in this passage? We see the incarnation of Jesus. We see Jesus came to this earth, the incarnation. We see his ascension. He's caught up to the throne of God. And then uh, we see his coronation. He rules the nations with a rod iron. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know, folks, Jesus wasn't taken on the cross. He was given. Remember that. The greatest gifts are given. Jesus was given. He, gave, he was the greatest gift. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even Forever, And so we see here, like, this is who, like, like, the plan of God, it was bigger than just a baby. Listen, all of evil was fighting against this baby. Now, think about that when you're looking at your Christmas tree. Think about that when you have the manger set up in your house. That all the forces of evil were trying to stop this from happening. Look here, the dragon is the devil. Verse 3. Revelation 12:3 and another sign appeared in heaven a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns seven diadems on his head his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born Jesus comes to the nation of Israel here's Satan ready to go He hates everything of God. He hates Jesus. He hates all that God loves. In the words of Dr. Seuss, the more that Satan thought of Christmas, of what Christmas would bring, the more Satan thought, I must stop this whole thing. Satan fell from heaven, and he took one-third of all the angels with him. You have nothing to be afraid of because there's still two-thirds good. Amen? And just think of that. Yeah, thanks be to God. One-third of all the angels fell with him, but the war was raging, and it kept raging. Look at the dragon. You go through there. It's pretty descriptive. It says that uh, he's a dragon. That's his personality. He's fierce. He's wicked. He's mean. Our passage says that he had seven heads. That speaks of his incredible intelligence. His IQ is off the chart. He's sneaky, he's conniving, and he's brilliant. Don't, don't underestimate the text. 
He has ten crowns or diadems. That means that he has the, the world's authority as he goes out to tempt people. And so today we live in a world where people are de- being delusioned. People are saying that right is wrong. You know why that is? It's because there is a war that has been waging. And the war has been going on since the Garden of Eden. Man, some of you may think, why is it that since I've fallen Christ, I still have all these hassles? I have all these plans. Because the, Satan has a diabolical plot. Man, he is, he is coming after you. And let me tell you here, go back to the Genesis 3.15. In Genesis 3.15, we see from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they're placed in a garden. God says, of this tree you shall not eat. And if you eat of it, you will surely die. So what happens? They end up eating of the tree. And so God has to keep true to his promise. God says, I must follow through. If God doesn't keep his promise, he's a liar. And so God keeps his promise. And look, look at what he says here to the serpent. Now, this is pretty powerful because this is where the war really started. He goes, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So he's looking at the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Between your offspring and hers, between you, Satan, and all your work, and between her offspring. And this is the very first promise of the Messiah. It's known as the Proto-Evangelium. And as you look at this, you see, wow, this happened right after the very first sin. So God doesn't waste any time telling you about his deliverance. And he says that he, he, Jesus will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Don't you love that? He will crush your head. Ooh, that fires me up, man. Like God, listen, when you're, when you're talking with God, remember who you're talking to. He's in charge. Anybody ever step on a snake? Yeah, I don't see anybody raising their hand on that one. Never forget, years ago, when I went to the jungle, Mark Slagle and I went out there, and they took us out there, and the lady was beating, beating, beating the tall grass to scare off the snakes because us, us, uh, us Americans were there. Every, everybody was using boots, but they didn't have boots that were our size. You know, we're, our feet are a little bit bigger than what they make down there, right? And so me and Mark were walking by there, and we're like, yeah, I really can't wait to spend the night. With snakes crawling all over the place, right? And they talked about the venomous snake. And if you got bit by it, you'd have to be flown out of here. Next day, Mark and I are making our trail up to get our monkey meat. And uh, we're walking over there. And we see a snake on a stick. You remember that, Mark, don't you? The snake is, and I have a picture of the thing. The snake is, they killed it. And they had it hanging on a stick. And I was like, I think I'm going to stay right here for the rest of the time. So that plane comes, right? A venomous snake. Now, let me tell you, when, when you step on a snake, you'll feel it. You'll never forget it. And that's what happened with Jesus. We'll put that verse back up. It says that he crushed him. When, when, on that cross, when Jesus died on the cross, you know what he did? He crushed his head. It's over. But there was a bite to the heel of Jesus. It was called the cross. And Satan thought that he had won. Satan is reveling for three days saying, oh yeah, we got him. In the meantime, Jesus rises again from the dead three days later. 
And you know what Satan knows? Satan knows that his day is coming to an end. He knows that it's coming to an end. Let me tell you how the war has been raging. He, he tempted Adam and Eve. Death has entered. We have this, this promise now. Then he goes over and he gets Cain to kill Abel. Good job, Satan. He's trying to stop the offspring. See, he's already looking. Who is going to be the seed of the woman that he's going to have to fight? So he gets Cain to kill Abel. Satan filled the earth with evil, so God destroys it with a flood over in Genesis chapter 6. Pharaoh comes along, and uh, he just, I'm sorry, he saves the eight people. Population regrows. Pharaoh comes along, and he kills the male Hebrew children over in Exodus chapter 1. They have the Passover, and they escape. God does what he, what he does. Haman plotted to kill all the Jews in Esther chapter 3. Uh, Herod the Great kills all the babies in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 2. While Jesus was doing his ministry, they wanted to throw him over a cliff, but he walked away unharmed. He goes to the cross, and he dies, and he gives his life. For unto us the Son is given. He pays his life and he rises from the dead. And he pays my sin and he pays your sin. Then why do we still have this war today? Because the battle is still raging. And let me just lean into this real briefly here. You see the world scene right now with Israel? Let me tell you, there's still a battle that's raging. raging. And it's happening all around the world right now. You hear a lot of people there that are just upset over everything. Well, let me tell you. There's a battle that's raging because Jesus is coming back one day. And he promises that he will come back and he will touch down on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Ooh, man, doesn't that fire you up? Yeah, just know that this is so powerful what your God is going to do. And the things that you have, re- have been reading are not fairy tales. It is promises that are yet to come. Now, let me give you this. Revelation 12, 12 says, Woe to the inheritance of the earth. And the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows what? That he has a short time. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever. In the meantime, he wants to take down as many people. I counsel people. I get phone calls. I help people through many issues in their life. And let me tell you, there's not one week goes by. That I don't hear a reference to what Satan is doing in people's lives. Wrecking their lives. Raising his ugly head because he knows that there's only so much time left. He's the real Grinch that's trying to steal Christmas. And let me tell you, Satan is trying to take your heart and steal your heart today. He's trying to get you sidetracked because somebody didn't look at you. He's trying to get you sidetracked because you think that you're not important. He's trying to get you sidetracked because you're following your emotions. You're following the wrong star. You're following your own light. You're deceived by yourself. These are the tactics of Satan. And let me tell you folks today that Christmas is a matter of the heart. I'm going to show you this final clip from the end of our Grinch. No. Puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle of a saw. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe 
Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. saying today is that and listen this is what the Grinch Theodore Gessel he missed guess what he missed he missed the concept of Jesus he tried to write it tried to write it tried to write it. he did everything to write God out of it and he did he didn't put God in it but let me tell you the only way that your heart will be changed is through Jesus Christ I, I think there are many people in here who are followers of Christ and you've gotten sidetracked by some of the trials of life, by some of the hurt and the pain of life. And I, and I want this morning for you to think about this with me. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Like allow, like guard it is what this is saying. Guard your heart with all diligence. If we're going through life and just trying to live to feel good, there's no diligence. There's no guarding. You're not keeping. Keep your heart with all diligence. And then finally today, if you've not started a relationship with Jesus, what I've been talking about is a matter of the heart. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. And he says, whosoever shall call upon him will be saved from the punishment of their sin. Romans 10.9 talks just about that heart problem. Let's read it together. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Folks, many people say Jesus. The whole world knows how to say Jesus. He says, say Jesus. He is Lord. And believe in your heart that he is Lord. And if he's Lord, what does that mean? It means your life will surrender to him. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around as we prepare to sing our closing song this morning, I, I want us to go to a time of worship to the Lord today. And let's just go before him and honor him and just call upon him and just ask him to move in a mighty way in your heart. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and Maybe as a believer, like God's speaking to you. Maybe you forgot that the war is raging. You're, you're looking how to solve the war. The war has been going on for all of history. And Satan couldn't stop Jesus from being born. And Satan couldn't stop Jesus from the appointment on the cross. And Satan definitely could not stop the resurrected Lord. So today I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to humble yourself. And call on him. 
As believers, maybe you've been sidetracked. Today's the day God says, come back, guard your heart. Maybe you're starting a relationship with Christ. Well, I want to encourage you today. Would you call on him and pray something like this? Just pray, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you to take my heart today. I realize today that my heart is deceitful, and that I need you to be my Savior. Thank you for coming to this earth, for paying the price of my sin on the cross, for dying and rising again. And I invite you into my heart and soul right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's stand together and sing our closing song. What an appropriate song. Let's just worship him after we've heard the things of God. Light of the world, you step down into darkness, and here I am to worship. Have a great week. Greet each other as you leave today. Be careful going home, and we'll see you next week.